0: This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church, located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. So this summer, we are going through a series entitled Basics, That is, the basics of the Christian faith. Now, I have a sermon series on the basics of the Christian faith. Isn't that something that we already know? Well, throughout Scripture, you see this theme of remembrance. Remember, 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 remember. That's because we forget And actually, you see that a lot in the Old Testament, that the people have forgotten God and his word. And secondly, there are ways that we as a church can grow. And so we look to the scriptures to see how we can grow together. But the world actually preaches a message to you and I throughout the week. That message is all about you. You do you. Love yourself. It's all about you and your self esteem. But the church is actually supposed to be different. The church is called to be much different from what the world believes and what the world preaches. And so as you look through the New Testament, you might come across these one another's. And these one another's in the New Testament show how the church, how the people of God, how Christians are to relate to one another, interact with one another, treat one another. And so today I want to focus on a few of those, but I want to first start with with love, because I want to show you how love is related to all the other ones that we find in Scripture. So let's turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then comes John, And if you're unfamiliar with that, you can always look at the beginning of your Bible at the table of contents to find where John is or any other book or letter in the Bible. John chapter 13. And before we read, it's helpful to know and understand context because context helps us to interpret and understand the Bible. And so in John chapter 13... Jesus is getting ready to depart out of this world. How so? Through death. And the beginning of the chapter tells us that he loved his own, his own disciples to the end. And so what does he do? He washes his disciples' feet. Now that might seem a bit foreign to us. Because when you walked into the worship service this morning, our ushers and greeters did not take off your shoes and your socks and wash your feet. And perhaps some of you are thinking, thankfully, that didn't happen. (laughs) But back in that day, just dirt roads, sandals, and walking all the time. There were no Jordans back then for people to buy to cover up their feet. And so their feet are exposed to the dirt all day long. And so as people are coming into someone's house, the lowest of lows would wash their feet. And so here's Jesus, the son of God, washing his disciples' feet. A picture of his love and his humility Jesus, the servant of his people. But this washing of feet is actually a picture. It's a symbol. Jesus actually tells Peter that if I don't wash you, you don't have any share with me. If I don't wash you, you don't have any share with me. That's a picture of his cleansing. That is that the blood of Jesus Christ actually washes away all of our sin. All of it. And so now we are united to Jesus. We are united to Jesus. So that's the the context of this. So let's read verses 34 And thirty-five. John thirteen, thirty-four and thirty-five. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus here has a high standard to love one another just as he has loved us. And the reason why it's such a high standard is because we were ones who loved darkness. We stood condemned and guilty before a holy and perfect God. We were far away from God, enemies of God, hostile towards him, rebellious towards him, and he's the one who pursued after us. That Jesus would lay down his life for his sheep. That's why we can sing amazing love. How can it be? That thou, my God, shouldst die for me. This is a selfless, sacrificial, unconditional, no strings attached kind of love. It's amazing, outstanding, that God would love us when he had no obligation to do so. This is the love that Jesus says you are to love one another with. And we're thinking about that, like, wow, that's Jesus, that's that's hard. Well, here's, here's why this is important and helpful. In the beginning of 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you. Now that's interesting. Because in the Old Testament, the Israelites were called to love one another, to love their neighbor as themselves. So in what sense is this new? It's new in the sense of the new covenant. And the new covenant, God promises that he will forgive all of our sin. That he will be our God, that we will be his people. That he will remember our sins no more. And now he has given you a new heart so that you can love him and love your brothers and sisters in Christ. So it must be rooted in the love of Christ for you in order for you and I to love one another. So we must remember that. And so it's important that you first must be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So have you been washed by the blood of Christ? You know, usually when you get a cut on your finger or somewhere else or your kid gets a cut and it gets on your clothes, it's, it's stained. You see the blood on there. But what's amazing about Christ is that his blood actually cleanses you. Wipes away all of your sin. And you're now adopted into his family. And know that this adoption into his family is not just something that's abstract. Actually, what you see in the New Testament is that when people put their faith in Jesus Christ, they are then baptized into the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. The church is the body of Christ. And so when people are baptized, they're baptized into a local church. This is what's known as church membership. They are identifying with Christ and identifying with a local body. So, Have you been cleansed by the blood of Christ? Have you then been baptized in the waters, symbolizing the death and resurrection of Christ? And you have, have you committed to a local Bible-believing church? That's the starting point. But know that there's another implication here. In verse 35, Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Isn't that amazing? That when the church is marked by love, the world sees that. The world sees that and acknowledges that there's something different about you. That you belong to Christ. So what would that look like for our church? To be marked by love. That the world may see that we are his disciples. Because love is actually the fulfillment of the law. And there's only one who has done that perfectly on our behalf. And that's Jesus Christ. And now we are called to love one another. And so there are many other one another's in scripture, but I wanna focus on three. I wanna focus on three encourage, confess, and forgive. Encourage, confess, and forgive. Let's look at how we can encourage one another. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 here. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 24. And the word of God says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, this is really interesting that the author of Hebrews here would say that one way to stir up one another to love and good works is by not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to gather with the saints So think about that as you see your brothers and sisters coming in and you're here to worship the risen savior Jesus Christ that in itself is encouraging that there are brothers and sisters who are with me in the struggle of life and they're still here to worship Jesus is that a priority in your life the gathering of the saints on Sunday morning? Is that a priority for your family? Or are there other things that take its place? The beach? Sports? Too tired? The author here actually says that we should encourage one another. We should look to Stir one another up to love and good deeds. And so one of the ways is actually gathering together. But there's also the concept of when we gather together that we can encourage one another, that we can be there for one another, we can listen to one another. And notice that there's a, a futureness to this all the more as you see the day drawing near, that one day Christ is going to return. Christ is coming back, brothers and sisters. And so as we look forward to that day, we can encourage one another with that. So what does that look like on a Sunday morning and then throughout the week? Well, I think Colossians actually helps us with that. It's Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. God's word says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness, in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what's interesting is that how do we allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly? How is that? Well, one of the ways is actually to be sitting under the preaching of God's word. When pastors are preparing throughout the week, what we're trying to do is prepare a feast for you to feed on the word of God, to be fed spiritually speaking on God's word. So that as you gather on Sundays and you sit under the preaching of God's word, you're being fed. I'm being fed. That's one of the ways that which which we grow and and actually can encourage one another. And notice the focus is on the word of Christ. It's not what the world preaches to you. What What the world teaches. It's what God says. It's what God's word says. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. There's wisdom that comes from above, and then there's earthly wisdom, as James tells us. But then Paul says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, that's interesting. How is that possible? That when we sing together, we're singing to God, but we're also singing to one another that the words we say are are teaching us something just think about if you've had a a hard week hard month a hard year maybe you felt distant from god for the past 6 months Maybe you felt far away from God, and maybe God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't want anything to do with me. God is punishing me. God hates me. I don't even know if God is real. How can God love someone like me? And then you come to worship on Sunday, June 27th, 2021. And you hear your brothers and sisters singing how deep the father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And your brothers and sisters are singing that at the top of their lungs because they are in awe of the love of God that we who were once far away and cut off from God because of our sin have now been brought near by the love of Christ. That's what happens on Sunday mornings. But it's not just Sunday morning brothers and sisters. We need one another throughout the week. And this is what the early church did. They would gather on Sundays, but then they would gather throughout the week. Daily. Encouraging one another, pointing one another to Christ. Peter actually encourages us to do so. In 1 Peter 4, he says, "Show hospitality to one another without grumbling." Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The only qualification here for hospitality, so hospitality is opening up your home, is without grumbling. Now, why would Peter say something like that? Because when you think about it, there's, you're thinking, wow, man, this is, this is going to be hard work. Maybe you feel as if it's an inconvenience. There's a, maybe you feel like there's a lot of pressure. But Peter just says, without grumbling. So that means that when you open up your home to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't have to prepare this massive feast. You can if you want. Have frozen pizza. There's nothing wrong with that. Chicken tenders. (laughs) Or maybe you say, you know what, let's meet a little later at night. We just have a bonfire. The point is that we are getting into one another's homes. And just think about the impact on the world. We saw this in, in John chapter 13, that... By this, people will know that you're my disciples. We have love for one another. Think about that in in relationship to hospitality. Your neighbors sometimes watch you. Maybe you watch your neighbors too. People are parking in your driveway or in in front of the street there. and Just regularly, they, they see people coming into your home. Say, huh, that's interesting. Either they're having a lot of parties or something. But just think about the conversation that can happen there. There are various ways you can, you can start. You say, we, we love to have our church family over. Do you have any church background? Or because God has shown so much kindness to us, we want to open up our home. Because Jesus is so kind and loving to us, we love our church family. And that's why we have people over our house. So who's it that you can invite this week? Next week? The week after that? The point is that we would just be spending time with one another. Even if you just, hey, let's just go out to eat somewhere. Let's grab coffee together. The point is actually just spending time with one another so that you can actually encourage one another because we struggle. There's suffering and hardships and trials, and we need to be encouraged by the word of Christ. We need Jesus. And we want to point one another to Christ, to the gospel truth. Paul even speaks about this in in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So the Thessalonians were doing that. And Paul says, keep doing that. Keep encouraging one another. Keep building one another up. And you do that through God's word. So think about the words that come out of your mouth. Are your words harsh? Do you tend to tear down rather than to build up? Do you tend to put other people down to build yourself up? God calls us to actually encourage one another. To build one another up in Christ. Because that is how we grow together. But there are times where we'll, we'll need to hear some rebuke or perhaps even tell one another about things that we're struggling with. So let's look at confess. Confess is James chapter 5. And this one might seem a bit odd. What do you mean confess? James chapter 5 verse 16 James 5:16 Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now context is important here. James is speaking about much about prayer here in the context of the local church. He speaks about those who are sick in the congregation. He says, have the elders come and pray for them. James says, if the person has committed sins, he will be forg- forgiven. And so this is important to note that sometimes that sin is related to sickness. Not always. But sometimes sin was related to sickness. You see this in in James 5, verse 15. It says, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And even in verse 16, he says, pray for one another that you may be healed. You also see this in the context of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11. Is that there were some who actually died because of their sin. And so James encourages us to actually confess our sins to one another. That might be a bit foreign. Confessing sins to one another. And note that there's not confession here to a priest. There's not a confessional booth. There's one high priest. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. And so because Christ has covered all of our sin. Because Christ has taken the judgment upon himself, we actually can confess our sins to one another. You know, sometimes the reason why we don't is because we're we're fearful of judgment. We're fearful of rejection. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to open up. How can I do something like that? Well, Christ has taken your judgment already for you. Romans 8 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so that our church will be marked by love and not judgment. We shouldn't be competing with Planet Fitness, who claims that it's a judgment free zone. Or rather, the church, when your brother or sister actually confesses their sin to you, James actually tells us what we should do. It's actually pray for one another. One of the ways that you can love your brother and sister and encourage them is to say, thank you for being honest and vulnerable with me. Thank you for sharing, brother, because guess what? I need prayer too. I need God's grace too. So that's one thing we could be praying for as a church, that we would be transparent with one another. This doesn't mean airing out everything to everyone, but that you find a brother or sister in Christ that you can share with the struggles of your heart. That they can point you to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we like to think we have it all together. Everything's good. Everything's fine. On the inside, we're, we're, we're struggling. We're having a really difficult time. So what would that look like on Sunday morning? To say, hey, I need, I need some prayer. I've been really impatient this week. I've been really stressed at work this week. What would it look like for you to go up to your brother and sister and say, would you help me? And for you, brother and sister, to respond, I will help you. I will walk with you. This is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. He knows that we will sin, that we will continue to sin, even though we have been United to Christ now. He says this in Galatians 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That we are called to walk with each other with gentleness. Because you remember too that guess what? I also need Christ. I also need God's grace, and we actually need one another to help one another. And guess what? To remind one another of truth. Remember, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you so that you can remind your brother and sister, brother, your sins are forgiven. Sister, God has given you a new heart so that you can walk in obedience now. Brother, your obedience is, your your salvation is not dependent on your obedience. It's dependent on the one who earned it for you. And that never changes. Those are the words that we use to encourage one another with. Not judgment. But there are times where your brother or sister will sin against you. And so we're called to forgive. Forgive. We're called to forgive. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, verse 12, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, how is it that we are to forgive one another? Well, it's because first God has forgiven you, brothers and sisters. When a brother or sister sins against you, you have to remind yourself that I have sinned in an enormous amount against a holy and perfect God. And this God, who actually should send me to hell, has forgiven me. And so because of that, because of him, I actually can forgive my brother or sister in Christ. That we would be a church marked by forgiveness. That we would be marked by forgiveness. That we would bear with one another. We would be patient with one another. That we would walk with one another through these things. And that's only because Christ has forgiven us. And since... You and I have been forgiven by God. We're actually called to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ. But if you haven't been forgiven by God, if you have not put your trust in Christ alone for your salvation, the Bible says just call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Jesus will wash away all of your sins. All of it. The only way to enter into the kingdom of God is if your sins are forgiven and you are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But if you are forgiven, we're called now to forgive one another. We're actually reminded of this when we partake in the Lord's Supper every month. That when we see and taste the bread, that we are reminded that Christ, Christ gave his body for me. That Christ endured so much to earn and secure my salvation for me. that Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath, that he was judged for me, that he was condemned for me, that he was deemed guilty and a criminal for me, that he bore all of my sin upon himself so that I will never taste even an ounce of the wrath of God. I receive the blessing of forgiveness from God and that Jesus has shed his blood for me to wash away all my selfishness, all my grumbling and complaining. Every time I've been self-centered and will be self-centered, Jesus has washed me from that. And now he has created a new people, his church, to now show that love towards one another. Would you pray with me? Father, we are in awe. Just of how great and wonderful you are. you have bestowed your love upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for that. I pray, Lord, that we would always be in awe of your son, Jesus Christ. That we would grow in our love and adoration of him that we would seek to encourage one another and pray for one another walk with one another through this life and Lord we look forward to the day that your son Jesus Christ returns that we will be presented as holy and blameless in your sight And Lord, as we look forward to that day, I pray, Lord, that that would motivate us to live differently now. That our church will be marked by love so that the world may see and that they too, Lord, may come to know and trust in Jesus Christ. We trust you, Lord, and we love you because you first loved us. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.